You're listening to an iGroom Hub podcast for dog groomers. iGroom Hub is an online learning platform for groomers of all levels. Sit back, relax, and enjoy what iGroom Hub Media has to offer. And welcome or welcome back to another episode of iGroom Hub Media Podcast. We are at episode 18 now and with me I've got the wonderful Natalie West. Hi folks, how are you going? It's great to have your company and um, yeah, I'm looking forward to this podcast. Yes, so this one is, it might sound a little bit different because it is a Zoom meeting that you had. I did tell you, I had a meeting with um, Karen Collier from RSPCA Vic and she was really, really fascinating. We talked a lot about um, some hard-hitting questions like, you know, what's our role when we actually have dogs in our care that need a little bit of um, further education when it comes to grooming? I'm sure that everyone has had an experience of having a matted dog in their salon and we fix the problem, don't we? We actually fix it and then at the end of it, there's nothing really to solve because the problem has been solved. But is there a responsibility that we have to then uh, report that person and to let the RSPCA know? Yeah, well, I found the interview very interesting and slightly emotional. Like it brings up things that you've just, obviously I put them in the back of my brain because they upset me, the really bad ones. But I was always in the mindset of, oh, well, we've just shaved him off. The deed's done. Like off they go. You can't do anything past that because they've done, air quotes, you can't see me, duty of care. Yes. To the animal and it's yeah. that's it. And and you know, you really hit the nail on the head with duty of care and that's what it's all about. But you know, we we do solve the problem, but if the person keeps reoffending and we see this dog only once a year or once every two years, um, you know, how do we actually get the message across to these yep. people that they really do need to spend more time grooming their dog? Yeah. She gives a lot of great advice, I found as well. Like I'm like, Oh yeah, that you can approach it that way, or you can do it this way and I found it really helpful. Yeah, she does. She's got some really good advice and it's really nice to know what role the RSPCA has. And if you are going to listen to the whole podcast, you'll see that there is a change on the wind for the RSPCA and we hope that it is um, for the better. It's really great to have Karen Collier on board. She has really given um, a bit of her time to us and we appreciate that. iGrim Hub is a corporate sponsor for RSPCA Victoria and we're really pleased to be on board with a team that is really has welfare at its heart. And I feel that, you know, what we do on our in our day-to-day business is all about welfare. So I hope you've got some um, feedback for us if you are listening and if there's anything else that you would like us to talk about, this is the forum for it. So please uh, feel free to contact us. Yes. If you have any questions about this podcast, any of our previous podcasts or have an idea for a podcast, just shoot us through on our social media accounts, Instagram and Facebook at iGroomHub. So sit back and relax. And here is the Zoom interview with Nat and Karen. Hi, folks. Thank you so much for joining us. And I'm super excited to introduce Karen. Karen is an inspector from the RSPCA and we've had quite a bit of a build-up um, looking forward to talking to someone from the RSPCA about what we see and, you know, what we do. So, Karen, welcome to iGroom Hub. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. Terrific. Karen, I just wanted to start by a lot of people will know the RSPCA and what they do, and we do have a very good handle on, uh, you know, what your role is and what happens behind the scenes. But I just wondered if you could take us through just like, you know, what life is like being an inspector and what you kind of do like on a day-to-day basis. 
Yeah, so I've been an inspector since 2005, so there's not a lot that I haven't seen in the journey. So we are authorised under two pieces of legislation, the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals Act and Regulations, as well as the Domestic Animals Act under certain sections, particularly in relation to puppy farming of dogs and kittens and so forth. So a day for us is a member of the public will call in to the call centre or into, um, they'll put a report online where they've expressed concern about the welfare of an animal. And it's our job to then go out and investigate that report and see if there's anything we can do to alleviate that animal welfare concern. In some cases, there is no animal welfare concern. It might just be a barking dog or um, something else. But in most cases, there's at least some form of education. And in severe cases, there's also the prosecution aspect where we can take someone to court if they've done severe animal cruelty. Mm. It, um, that is such a large job, isn't it? You, and I guess when you get a call, you really don't know what you're faced with, do you? You really don't know what you're going out to and what, you, what you'll what you see and, and, you know, what's in front of you. No. Well, general, members of the general public, as you would probably know, can either go one of two ways. They can either exaggerate the issue and make it into something bigger than what it actually is or they can downplay it and make it look like it's a, it's a minor issue and then you get out there and go, oh, wow, this is big. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, we are so grateful that people like you chose a role in our society to help prevent the cruelty to animals. And I guess um, you, you just touched on it straight away, Karen, about education. And you're saying that, you know, your role is all about educating people. So is ours. You know, our, our role is really about educating, you know, the tiny funnel. Uh, you know, we have about, you know, we have this much of the of project in our capable hands, whereas you have a, a bigger bite of the cherry. But we are really educating about people, uh, how they look after their animals and what grooming regime is best suited for their individual dog. And from time to time, we are faced with really difficult situations, Karen. And quite often, we don't have a lot of support in our industry to help us through those situations. And that's why I wanted to have a chat to you about delicate situations that happen when we're faced with them. I really wanted to ask you, we've, uh, every single groomer, I would imagine, has had some sort of calling to be responsible about a pet that they have seen that may be, and let's just take um, grooming, for example, we have a few serial pests. And, you know, what we do as groomers, when we see a dog come in, it's fully matted. We say, well, you know what, this dog is uncomfortable. The skin can't breathe. The hair is pulling on the dog. The dog looks very uncomfortable. It's shut down. You know, there might be poo around the bottom, but it might be um, impacted. It could have infected ears. We've seen ears connected to shoulders and collars that have been you know um, disguised under you know huge matting and it is really confronting for us we can't what we what as groomers what we want to do is just get our hands on the dog and just relieve the pain and suffering that that dog is in but then we're faced with a conversation that can be at times really confronting for a groomer to uh, convey uh, if they are serial pests and they keep bringing their dog back in that condition we find it tricky sometimes to know what our role is so I'll just explain to you what what our what we do, and then if you can jump in and perhaps you know tell us what we can do as a final step or the next step. But it's definitely all about educating, isn't it? So it's all about saying to the owner, you know, your dog is really suffering here. We're going to relieve the heaven and start again, and you know, your dog is going to be a lot happier. You'll be able to you know move around. He'll be able to you know itch his skin freely, and it's really just the the, the best way forward. Now, if they get uppity and say, you know. Not even uppity. We, we can deal with that. We can deal with clients getting upset. But what we really find difficult is how we follow up those calls. So lots of groomers will say, okay, well, I'd like to reappoint your dog in another six to eight or 10 or 12 weeks just to get a, a regular grooming regime. They're all about, yeah, that's fine. We'll get there. We'll get there. 
the appointment comes, we, we call, we either don't get hold of them, they don't confirm, or we never see that dog again until another year or two years down the track. So, Karen, yep. the question is, I know it's a long-winded way to get to it, but the question is, what, what is our role, do you think, in, when it comes to that? Should we report the owner to the RSPCA, do you think? Well, as experts in your field, you definitely should be providing the advice that you think is appropriate to that particular breed and that particular person at the time so that you're keeping them informed as to what the best outcome for their animal is going to be. Yep. But if you really have concerns or you feel that the message is just not getting through, it's falling on deaf ears, you can definitely make a report to the RSPCA. So as I mentioned earlier, you can either do that online or by calling into our call centre on 922422222. All of your details are completely confidential. It is important that you do provide your details in case we do have any follow-up questions or we can't find the person or the address is wrong or whatever it may be. But those details are completely confidential. We won't be discussing where the reports come from. And then it's just us touching base with that person and reiterating, I guess, the same messages that they probably heard from you. But then we've got the big stick of either a notice to comply or the possibility of prosecution if they don't do what they need to do. So you can use us, I guess, as the stick. So you can provide the advice. Yeah. Um, and if that advice is falling on dead ears or you are really concerned that the animal was at a state it shouldn't have been in even when they did bring it in and it was already causing pain and suffering, you can definitely report those things to us and we'll follow that up. So if we had pictorial evidence, if we had video evidence, is that are we breaking any rules by um, not getting the, the owner's permission to take that to use as footage or as, you know, some sort of insurance to say that, yes, the dog did come in in a real state? No, you're certainly not making any, um, breaking any laws or anything by taking photos of the animal. Of course, we would never want you to put yourself in a situation where you're in danger. So if the owner's really kicking up a fuss, they don't take on don't take photos of my animal. We would never put you in that position. Yep. But from our point of view, video evidence and photo evidence is a lot easier for us, particularly evidentiary-wise, particularly if you've already groomed the animal. If you can get a pre-groom, um, right. that's obviously going to be evidence for us. But, yeah, we would never ask a groomer to put themselves in danger if it's not safe to do so, but they're I not totally, breaking any laws. I totally agree, absolutely. But you know what, um, we, we then we run the risk, and I, I don't mind, I, mean, I don't mind, but um, I'm sure a lot of groomers would uh, run the risk of um, a social media complaint coming to their um, establishment saying, you know, the RS, they call the RSPCA on me, my dog's fine, or the, we run the risk of them never, ever going back to a groomer because they've been shamed, named and shamed, and then the, the dog never gets groomed. So it is a very fine line, and I know there's no real answer to that, but um, a lot of groomers perhaps don't follow up with the RSPCA even when we know we should uh, because we are held under an emotional sort of, you know, bond really, an emotional rock that, you know, we're damned if we do, damned if we don't. And I have never reported someone to the RSPCA, but I have been blamed for it. And it's not a, it's not a nice feeling. I know these feelings go and we have to get over them and it's the welfare of the animal that we need to, to really focus on. But when we are talking to these customers, we always come from an education, educational and welfare point of view. So we're not ever laying blame on these people and saying you are a bad person because you've done this to the dog. It's always situational and we say, okay, 
this is the situation. We are so lucky that we can actually fix it for you. We can fix this problem. We can take the hair off and we can start again with the dog. Is there anything that you can add to or suggest about how we interact with our customers when it comes to really delicate situations like that? I'm sure that you've been faced with many delicate situations and things can escalate pretty quickly. And in busy salons sometimes, I know that it's better to take people aside where there is no one else so that they're not, uh, you know, so that other customers aren't listening or tuned into the conversation. But do you have any sort of, you know, ideas for us about how to tackle a difficult conversation, Karen? I can tell you how I do it. I don't know whether no. it's the right way or not. Um, <laughs> but particularly when you've got a person that's coming in already into the salon to get the groom. To me, that says that they care about the dog. So it's building that rapport and establishing that, okay, you obviously care about your dog. This is happening. This is causing pain. This is causing suffering. You don't want that to happen, do you? If you don't want that to happen, this is what you should be doing. So the way that I usually do it is I have a conversation with them that involves them in the conversation. So they make the ultimate decision, but you're planting the seed. So you're planting all this information about what's appropriate. You really care about the animal. You don't want this to happen. This is what you should be doing. I'm not going to tell you what to do, but this is the best case scenario. And hopefully they'll say at the end of it, oh, that's pretty easy. I can do that. And let's do that. That's the ultimate scenario. Obviously, it doesn't always play out that way. But yeah, if if you can appeal to their love for the animal and not wanting to cause pain and suffering, usually they will take that information on board. If you're one of those people that wags your finger at them and says, you're very naughty and don't do that, do it this way, they're more than likely going to arc up and say, you can't tell me what to do and storm out or cause a scene. So if you can appeal to their better nature, I think you get a better result. You just switch off. You don't. Well, my, my biggest thing is you never, ever, ever ask why because you cannot understand how somebody else comes to the conclusion that they come to. And if you try to go down that path, you're just going to go round and round in circles. So you never, ever ask why. You just deal with the problem and you move on. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's a a really, really good um, way of just getting focused on the problem solving, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And there's no such thing as common sense. (laughs) We know know all about that. (laughs) It's getting worse. Getting really, like people are common sense, resilience, um, you know, nobleness or kindness, they're all sort of just going by the by. Respect. <laughs> yep. yep, respect. Oh, God, I can't even imagine how you do that. But yeah, and then you've got the, um, the language barrier, then you've got the um, cultural barriers. It's that's hard. Yeah, we have a lot of tools in our tool belt. Um, <laughs> just, just trying to get the right result under the right circumstances and. Yeah, As you said, sometimes it really is problem solving. Like you just think, wow, how am I actually going to solve this problem? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad that you are dealing with that, not me. <laughs> so <laughs> good luck. But um, it's it's great. And we're, um, as, you know, corporate sponsors of iGroom Pub, we're really excited to be able to, you know, be involved with the RSPC and BCA and help get that message out because, you know, we find it it's really, really important and valuable as well. So I agree. I, I totally agree. And look, there's lots of things that we can do, but sometimes, you know, when we give the dog over, we've already we've already fixed the solution. We've already fixed the problem for them. And I wondered, we, we do follow-up calls. So we have like a, what we call a shame file, and that's kept under, you know, in a, in a secret location. And when we have low days or we don't have really busy days, which hasn't happened for a, a while, but, um, you know, 
during COVID, everyone's businesses have grown exponentially, and no, you know, we're, we're thin on the ground. In that, you know, it's it's tricky to to find spaces. But what we do is we just um, send a follow out email. We haven't seen Fluffy for a while. Um, just wondered how you're going. We'd love to see you. So we 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 prompt and prompt and prompt. But sometimes we don't, and we you know we don't see them. And I'm wondering if that is an appropriate time. So six, twelve, whatever you know, six, eight, twelve months after a groom of an animal that we know is a serial offender of not growing their dogs, is it worthwhile contacting the RSPCA then and just getting them to do a welfare check? Now, I know that you guys are strapped as well. Like, I'm sure that you're super, you know, your, your whole team, I know you run a, a team, I'm sure they're absolutely flat chat as well. But is it worthwhile us doing a follow-up with the RSPCA if we truly feel that, you know, the if, dog might be uncomfortable? Yeah, if you genuinely have concern that the the impact is going to be a welfare concern because bearing in mind that we can only enforce the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals Act, so we can't enforce anything that's not causing a welfare concern. So if it is just that the dog's got quite long hair but it's not pulling on the skin, it hasn't got grass seeds embedded in it or causing any sort of distress or the ears aren't infected, those sorts of things, then unfortunately it would just be a welfare check and we'd have to walk away with a bit of advice. Um, but. Yeah. Yeah, if you have genuine welfare concerns that you think it's at a point now where the animal would be experiencing some sort of pain and suffering, then I think it would be well and truly worth reporting it. Yep, I agree. And lots of groomers don't, Karen. And I guess um, the you know the, the conversation that we're having is really to encourage people if you if you follow your instincts and you really know that you've got a client that would um, benefit from a welfare call from the RSPCA, then just do it. You know, I'm sure the the RSPCA don't go in with their guns loaded, as Karen has just mentioned. It's more about education and just you know making sure that the dog is okay and doing those follow up things. And that's that's really really important. It can be it can be really difficult and really confronting for people to actually ring the RSPCA. I know that that uh, they are not going to be named, but if they're taking photos, the photos will obviously be, like, be done in a grooming room or in a salon or in a, you know, person's, you know, home salon or in a mobile unit. So it's going to be pretty hard, pretty easy to know where those photos have come if if things do escalate to going to, to court. I don't want to discourage our groomers from reporting. I think that we have an obligation as pet care professionals to report things that aren't quite right. And I just want to reassure people that if they do report something, that it's not going to ruin them or it's not going to kill their business or you really um, you really must report things that we see. We see some just dreadful things, and I know you do as well, Karen, and it can be really tricky to negotiate your way through that. So after this little um podcast we might actually spend a bit of time talking about how we actually manage our customer relations when it comes to that we might do a few uh role plays and uh i'm sure there's loads of anecdotes that our groomers could just ring up and say well this happened to me and this is what i did this worked and this didn't so we might do that outside of this but i just want to um reassure or maybe with your help karen reassure our grooming professionals that we it's it's okay to report an animal isn't it yeah well, generally speaking, un unless it was an absolutely severe case of, of matting or ear infection or something, it's highly unlikely that it's going to proceed to an actual court proceeding. So the photos would never see the light of day. Um, and when we are discussing an issue with a person of interest, as I said, we don't disclose where the reports come from. So we'll just knock on the door and say, we've received a report about your dog. Do you have a dog? Are you able to show it to me? And then we'll have a general discussion. So 
they may guess where the reports come from. If they've recently been to the groomer and, and the groomer's had a discussion with them about the welfare of the animal, they may guess that it's come from you, but we would definitely never confirm that. Um, and we always, yeah, use use confidentiality as best we can so that we're ensuring that the identity of our people is protected because we want the, the right outcome for the animal as well. And we certainly don't want that to come back on, on you guys. So we certainly respect that and try to cover off as best we can without giving any clues as to where the reports come <laughs> from. That's really good to know. And I guess that's a that's a great reassurance. And it's lovely to know that we have um, a body of people that we can rely on to actually follow through with something that, you know, is your skill set and um you know we've we've done what we can do but that that's your skill set and that's just wonderful I'm, I'm sure you won't be inundated it's it's just all those it's just like every now and then we are faced with something that absolutely breaks our hearts and we know that you know this is just shouldn't have happened in the first place so hopefully with the groomers that are out there now we are doing a lot of the educating for you when it comes to uh the care and maintenance and health and well-being of these dogs um in conjunction with our vets and most groomers you know they come from a really lovely place and often are very skilled even though they they don't know it they're very skilled at being able to deal with you know these situations because we we see a lot of them we see a lot of them mm-hmm. Karen in the past sort of familiar with uh what your roles are at the RSPCA but have they changed over the last 12 to 18 months have you been granted more power when it comes to these face-to-face welfare checks uh no the act has has been the same since 1986 um so we have exactly the same powers as we've had for quite some time there's obviously been amendments over that time we've got extra powers but not in the last 18 months or so we are expecting a new act to come through hopefully in the next sort of year or so that's that's currently we're still acting under the same one at the moment and is that um, effectual enough for you? Obviously, something, if something's coming, if there's change in the wind, then that's going to be um, advantageous. Yeah. Well, if, if what's reported to be happening is going to happen, it's going to be an amazing change. Um, it will change to more of a duty of care legislation okay. where we can focus on more that education and the, the, the issues of, you know, if you're not doing something, then that's potentially going to be an offence rather than what we see now is... Well, let's, let's say, for example, a dog doesn't have water. Yes. Under the current Act, unless the animal is suffering as a result of insufficient water, i.e. dehydrated, etc., then that's a potential offence. But just because a dog doesn't have water under the current Act, it may not be an offence. We can give them advice, but it may not be an offence. Right. Under duty of care, there be minimum standards. So it would be expected that an animal should have water at all times. It should have shelter it should be groomed every 12 weeks or whatever it be so the minimum standards are then easier to enforce and those lower level issues are not going to develop into the bigger issues so I think the duty of calculation is going to be an amazing step forward when it comes through and I'm really looking forward to it Oh, well, I wish you well. And, you know, that's really um, lovely to hear because so many things in our industry are changing and uh, and for the better. Uh, and there's more uh, access to great education and great people who can actually, you know, make sure that, you know, our industry grows and that we really, at the centre of it, maintain the um, the welfare of the dog. And I guess um, I think it's Canberra, isn't it, that have just, or well, the ACT, that have um, named their dogs as some being sentient beings. And I guess that's going to help change some some rules and regulations as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the RSPCA is, is constantly advocating to recognise sentient beings. So 
just as a side note, at the moment, things like cephalopods, so your um, octopus, aren't yeah. classed as an animal under the current act, and yet they definitely are a sentient type beating. But let's try that again. Sentient type being. Um, they certainly are. So, yeah, really? yeah, so we're constantly advocating to get things like that changed in the act. And like I said, when the new act comes out, hopefully we'll get some amazing changes that will, will help things like that. Oh, that's wonderful, Karen. That's so good. That's that's you know, it's um, it's lovely to, to know that things are changing and evolving as we, uh, you know, understand our animals and our environment better. So that that's really that's really really good to know. But I guess um, it sort of leads me to the next point of things that I wanted to have a chat to you about is I guess and everyone has labelled this as compassion fatigue and. I know in your game, I would hate to think what you see and what you deal with because um, that's, you know, that's that's another facet altogether. Um, I'm just wondering um, how you actually do go home at night sometimes and just debrief and or do you debrief or do you just forget about it or how do you actually cope with those things, Karen? Because I can imagine some situations would be, uh, you know, bigger than others and stick in your mind a lot more than others. So do you have, um, what, what, what sort of things do you have in place, Karen? for yourself and your team? Yeah, so every individual is different. I know in, in our team, some people like to talk about it and, and get it out there. Other people just like to keep it in but have other ways of exerting the, the badness out, I guess. Um, yeah. So what what I do is I, I make sure I keep my exercise regime up to speed. So I'm that's the way that I get out all my anger I suppose you could call it sometimes yeah um, yes I have a really good exercise regime I have a fantastic relationship with my family where I can chat to them about stuff and the inspectorate team here is more like a family than anything else where we chat to each other um, about everything and if you if you walk out of a job and you're just like that just wasn't great I just need to talk to somebody you can either talk to another inspector or we also have our employment um volunteer program where we can ring up and speak to a counsellor if we need to and that's available as well wow um, but yeah that's really good it, yeah it's just important to recognize when things affect you um yeah. and to have it, that discussion or go beat a boxing bag whatever whatever helps you yes um but just just to get get it out uh, i don't think it's healthy to to leave that anger or that disappointment or what not just locked up inside because particularly for us when we're seeing it on a daily basis and so forth if you held it all in it's mm. going to be a bad end oh yeah totally, um, totally. Oh, I, I i actually can't imagine and i don't really want to imagine you know what what you're seeing and how you're dealing with it and stuff but it, it's great to know that you do have um, a place to go like a professional place to go and talk to if you need to but um having those other coping skills as you're saying of um, exercise and just some clear thinking time or some you know good mates or you know a, a very not a close bond with your workmates it really means a lot doesn't it yeah yeah and so a lot of us use the mindfulness when we're having having our lunch because a lot of us don't necessarily stop and actually sit down and have lunch we're usually on the go that so it's familiar. more just having that <laughs> Having that that mindfulness technique that when we are having our lunch, even if we're driving or whatnot, you know, you just you're just thinking about you know how good it tastes and how many bites you've taken, and just <laughs> slowing the mind down a bit so that you're focused again for the next one. Oh, that's so good. That's so good to know. And I guess um, you know, it, it, 
loads of jobs are stressful and loads of jobs are emotionally, um, you know, draining and, um, you know, loads of jobs give you compassion fatigue. But if you are thinking, if you're a groomer and you've been faced with a few hard days or uh, you've got a client that you just can't get out of your head, uh, it's great to know that you um, have a wider community and all the Facebook groups are great for that because it's a great platform, seems to be a great platform for us to be able to express ourselves or just question ourselves or um, just, you know, a sounding board really and I see a lot of it on Facebook which is really really good and I'm so pleased that people are using that to be able to share their experience because you know it we're all in the same boat and it can be it can be tricky and get on top of you really quickly and I know that compassion fatigue the syndrome itself has things like that awful feeling of being helpless or um, hopeless or powerless if you um if you're feeling uh, irritable or angry or sad or numb or you've got some sort of sense of detachment maybe it's time for you as a groomer to go and have a chat to someone and see whether or not you need some extra coping skills to be able to manage your your day-to-day grooming or whether or not you need a break or whether or not you're fine but it's um it's really important isn't it Karen to be able to check in so lots of groomers are solo and uh, it's important to have a network to to fall on isn't it absolutely and we're the same we're generally one up most of the time so we're out on the road by ourselves so right. yeah if you don't yeah. talk to somebody it's it's not going to be not going to be great. No, it's really hard. Well, Karen, I'm so thrilled that we've um that we've made contact with the RSPCA. We might be up, um you know calling on you again if there's uh, an issue that comes up. But um you have opened up a really interesting chat for us as groomers, and I hope that uh, the groomers are, that are listening just um have a little bit more confidence when it comes to managing these things. And you know there there are things in our society that we can actually. Um, call on and people that can call on that have got mad skills when it comes to dealing with uh, these welfare issues that we see from time to time. So, Karen, I really want to thank you very much for your time and I hope we see you again on iGroom Hub because um, it's been a really interesting chat. My pleasure and thank you so much for giving the opportunity to another platform for education. So I love it. That's what it is, isn't it? It's all about education. Good on you, Karen. Good luck out there. And let's hope the um, the changes for the RSPCA when they do come in give you um, a bit more power to do what you do really well. Thank you so much for your time. Good on you. Thanks, Karen. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you want to listen to more episodes or learn more about iGroom Hub, head to www.igroomhub.com.au and make sure you're following us on Facebook and Instagram.